Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Amen. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. God is good. As you're having a seat, get your Bibles and go with me to Matthew, the second chapter. Today, I want to talk to you about a subject called, Why Bethlehem? Why Bethlehem? As I read the Word of God, oftentimes I'll take a look at things and places and events and things that happen. And many times I know that God is saying something, even though he hasn't really said it clearly and openly. And I think that all of us as Christians ought to ask the right questions, ought to ask good questions. Because those questions will lead us to answers that help us in each and every one of our lives. And I believe that as we find out why Bethlehem, we're going to find out about why Christmas and what that does in each and every one of our lives today. It's a very familiar story, but I believe that the Holy Spirit today wants to make connections and wants to open up and enlighten the eyes of your understanding and just blow you away with his goodness, with his power that's at work in each and every one of our lives. Matthew chapter 2, verse number 1, and we're going to read down through verse number 6 starting out. Take a look at what it says in Matthew Chapter number two, starting in verse number one, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, everybody say Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Verse two, saying, Where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. A little aside on December 21st this year, coming up in in just a couple weeks now, December 21st, Jupiter and Saturn are going to come very close to one another to form what they call the Christmas star. Isn't that cool? And that hasn't happened for like 800 years. That means the last time that this happened was in the dark ages, all right? In the Middle Ages, they were looking up and these things took place. And now here in 2020, we get to see that. Now, I don't know if this was two planets that came close together and aligned. I don't know if this was a supernova that blew up or maybe it was just a supernatural star that God chose to place in the sky. I believe that it was supernatural. And here's the reason why, because the star moved and went over the place where Jesus Christ was and led these men to right where he was at. Stars don't move, right? They, they might go in a, in a pattern, but they don't just like, oh, wait, nope, over here. Come on, guys, follow this. Oh, here we go, you know. And so they followed the star, and they rejoiced when they saw him. But look at what it goes on to say, because they ask this question, where is he who was born king of the Jews? Verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Verse number 4, and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where Christ was to be born. Verse 5, so they said to him in Bethlehem. Everybody say Bethlehem. Come on, if you're following along online, don't just watch the television. You've got to say this with us or maybe type it in the comment section. In Bethlehem. And so he says, they say to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, verse 6, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are you not the least among the rulers of Judah? For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, the story goes on that Herod tells the wise men to go and to worship and then to come back and let him know exactly where this Christ child is at so he can go and worship too, all the while holding a knife behind his back because no one was going to take his throne. And so this guy was murderous. This guy didn't want anyone to come against his authority and his rule. And if the Christ was coming, he knew that he was going to get dethroned. Well, the wise men go and they worship the Lord and they open their treasures before him. You know the story. But then they're warned in a dream and they go home a different way. Herod sees that he's been deceived, and in a rage, he goes and he takes out all of the children aged two and under in Bethlehem and in the surrounding region. Now in the Scriptures, we find that there's another prophetic utterance that comes out of the book of Matthew, chapter number 2. But this time, I want to take a look at verse number 17 and verse number 18. It says, then it was fulfilled, which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, verse 18, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. 
Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Here we see that this is a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy, that something took place. And as we ask the question, why Bethlehem? It would be so easy to answer the question, why Bethlehem? Just like the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day did, the chief priests. They said, oh, why Bethlehem? Well, that's easy because of prophecy. Because God said it a long time ago. He said that the Christ is going to be born in Bethlehem. That's why Bethlehem. But it was important to God that Jesus the Messiah was born in this specific place as opposed to other places. There were other cities in Judah. There was other places he could have been born. So why specifically Bethlehem? Why did God say Bethlehem? Why did he prophesy Bethlehem? See, I believe that this quotation from Jeremiah that he had prophesied so long ago gives us the answer. I believe, and I'm going to submit this to your thinking today, and you are welcome to think about it, to calculate, to put together the Word of God today, to get your understanding, and then you can either believe this, you can either receive this, or you can reject this, all right? It either true or it ain't, right? But I want to submit to your thinking today that the reason why God chose Bethlehem was because this woman, Rachel. Now, I'm going to prove that to you from the Scriptures today as we go throughout it. Because this represented the place that she's weeping, right? She's in a place called Rama, not Bethlehem, but Rama. Why? What's Rama? Rama was the place of Samuel the prophet, right? Jesus was the prophet who was to come, but here she is in Rama. Rama was five miles north of Jerusalem. It was in the territory of a place called Benjamin. Rachel had two sons. She had Joseph and she had Benjamin. So the fact that she was weeping in Rama for her children meant that she was weeping over this child Benjamin, but as well, Rama was on a street. It was on a pathway. It was on a road that you could travel and go to the northern tribes. It was on the way up. The northern tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh, were Rachel's grandsons. They were the ones that took the place of Joseph amongst the 12 tribes of Israel. They were named after him, and they were named because of him. He blessed them, and because of that blessing, now they come into the 12 tribes of Israel, replacing Joseph's spot. And those two tribes, those northern tribes, represented what is called Israel. There was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The southern kingdom was Judah and Benjamin. The northern kingdom was all of Israel together. So here Rachel is weeping for her children. She's weeping for Joseph and Benjamin and really the children of Israel because they are no more. Represented in Herod's murderous time where he took out and slaughtered babies, two years old and under, toddlers, How cruel, how ruthless. But really, Herod represents Satan, the enemy, coming against the people of God, coming against Israel. Remember, Jesus was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. This represented all of Israel, and these would have been considered the children of Rachel. Oh, my goodness. See, I believe that the reason God chose Bethlehem and the reason that he honors Rachel also shows us the importance of Christmas for each and every one of our lives. Today, I'm going to give you a couple things of why Bethlehem. And as we see these things, we're going to unlock them as we take a look at the life of Rachel in order to understand. Everybody ready for this? All right, here's the first one. Why Bethlehem? Number one is on behalf of the future. Why Bethlehem? I believe it's on behalf of the future. There was a child that his parents took him to, one of those mall Santas. There he went and he sat in Santa's lap. Mom and dad were taking pictures and child looked up at Santa with big eyes, and Santa looked at him with that big mall Santa smile, and he said, oh, ho, ho, what would you like for Christmas, little boy? And the boy looked up at him timidly and said, well, Santa, um, I'd like a toy train that's electric and that goes around the track. 
And he says, oh, 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 that's a wonderful gift to ask for. I'm sure you'll find it under your tree this year. Keep being a good boy. And Santa looked up at Dad and he said, you know, I think Dad's going to like to play with that train too. What else would you like for Christmas? And the boy looked at his dad, looked back at Santa and said, I think I'd like another train. <laughs> See, the boy was thinking about the future. He didn't want to share. He wanted the train all to himself. In the same way, I believe that when we take a look at Rachel, when we look at the prophecies, and when we look at why Bethlehem and really why Christmas, God is interested in our future. See, Rachel was a shepherdess. The first time we meet her in the Bible, she's with her father's sheep. Jacob meets up with her, and my goodness, he just falls in love. Jacob had been running from his brother who was going to kill him because he had stolen the birthright and the blessing of his brother Esau. And now he meets up with Rachel, who is a shepherdess, and he goes out and he, he waters her flock. Now, it's important to understand this because Jacob, the reason why he was able to leave, even though his brother was thinking about killing him, is because his brother was waiting until his dad died in order to kill him because he didn't want to grieve his dad's heart. And so he says, once my dad is dead and the time of mourning is over, I'm going to kill Jacob. And he comforted himself with these words. Well, Jacob's mom gets a hold of this, and Jacob was her favorite child, and so she sends him away, and she says, hey, listen, you got to get out of here. Your brother's going to kill you after your dad dies, so go to my brother. His name is Laban. Go find him in, the, in my home country, and I want you to travel there because I'm going to tell him that you're going to go and get married. So she goes to Isaac, and she says, oh, my goodness, my heart's so sad. Would you send Jacob away to my brother to go and find a bride? So Jacob goes under this false pretense, but remember that if Jacob would have returned without a wife, Esau would have been like, hey, what's going on here? This guy's a deceiver. This guy's a liar. He would have got mad all over again and would have went to try and kill him. So Jacob needed to come back with a wife. So as Jacob travels, he comes up and he finds Rachel. It, she's his relative. She's part of the, the tribe that came from Laban, right? This is, Rachel, uh, this is his mother's, Rebecca's brother, Laban. And so this is Laban's daughter, Rachel. And now he finds the woman that he can marry and so that he can go back home. Rachel represented Jacob's future. God is interested in the future, and Rachel was a representation of that future. See, she also represented that Messiah was going to come from Jacob's loins, from his lineage. And the scripture that Matthew quotes in his gospel actually comes from a prophecy long ago that told of future events. I want you to turn with your Bibles to the book of Micah. Micah chapter number 5. I have a son named Micah. He's here in the room today. He's a good boy. I love him so much. I call him my curly-headed boy. He's very handsome. He shot up this year. He's 13, and uh, he's looking at me trying to pass me up. Part of the reason why I named him that is because of one of my favorite verses in the Bible, Micah chapter 6, verse number 8. But he has shown you, old man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. We're going to go to Micah chapter number 5, and I want to read verse number 2 through verse number 5 to you. This is the prophecy that Matthew quotes, and yet, uh, actually, the scribes and the Pharisees, the scribes and the, the, uh, the religious leaders of that time, the, the, the high priests, they quote this to Herod. Matthew kind of condensed it, but I want to read the full version to you in Micah chapter number 5. We're going to read verse number 2 down through verse number 5, just the first part of verse number 5. Look at what it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse number 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be ruler in Israel, who's going forth are from old, from everlasting. Therefore he shall give them up until that time that she who is in labor has given birth. 
Then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel. Remember, Rachel was weeping for her children. That was representative of Israel. At the time of this writing with Micah, the northern tribes had been taken away into captivity by Babylon. As they were taken away and they were captive, now there's going to come a time, there was a future that was foretold that Messiah would come. But until that time came that she who was in labor, when Mary birthed Jesus Christ, the Messiah in Bethlehem, in that manger, that they would have to come back and return from their captivity. Look at what it says in verse number four. And he shall stand and feed his flock. Notice that Matthew, they quoted it, but they said, he shall shepherd my people Israel. And so it says, he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord. In the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. Verse number five, and this one shall be peace. What did the angels say to the shepherds that were out watching their flocks by night? They said, we bring you great tidings of a good news and a great joy that shall be to all men. What did they say? They said, peace on earth, goodwill toward man. Did you know that Jesus Christ is the one that came and he settled the dispute between you and God? Our sins had separated us from God and we were at war with him, but now Jesus Christ is the peace child. He is the peace offering. He is the one that settles the dispute. He ends the war that happened between us, and now we can have that peace with God. Do you know that Jesus Christ is called the great shepherd of the sheep in the Bible? He is the good shepherd, and when we give our lives into the hands of God, he leads us like a shepherd. Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep. You know, David, who was the great king of Israel, he was also a shepherd. And God said that I want Jesus to come and to sit on the throne of David. He was the shepherd king that leads his people. And the first people even who heard the birth announcement of Jesus were the shepherds watching their flock by night. These are people who give their lives to lead a timid and often wayward and wandering animal. You know, all of us are likened to sheep in the Bible. We are the sheep of his pastures. Many times we can wander from God. Many times we can do silly things. Many times our hearts will take us in places that they don't need to go. And, it, and sometimes it's so subtle. Sometimes it's a gentle drifting away. Shepherd's right here, but oh my goodness, this grass looks really green. Looks really good right here. And so, you know, we start to eat and we start to nibble a little bit. And oh, look at that over there. I really like that over there. And all the while, we're getting further and further away from our shepherd. But Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is the one that leaves the 99 to go after the one. Jesus is the one that brings them and lifts them up and puts them over his neck and brings them back to celebrate with them. Jesus is the one that has that rod that if a wolf comes around, he's going to knock that wolf out. Come on. Jesus is the one that has that long shepherd's crook that if you get caught, if you get downcast, if you get caught in a trench, if you get caught in a ditch and you're upside down and you can't get out, he will put that around you. He will lift you up and out of your trench. He will clean you off. He will dust you off, and he will bring you back into the fold. Jesus is the great shepherd. And remember that God does this. Why Bethlehem? On behalf of the future. Many times we, we look into the eyes of the future with eyes of fear. And we say, what's going to happen? I don't know how it's going to work. I don't have enough money. I don't got enough resources. I don't have any friends. I don't have any family. I can't do this. I don't got the wisdom. And we look to the future, and especially in a year like we've had, what's coming up next? What's going to happen? There's new orders. There's new things taking place. Well, they're going to lock down. I better go and get toilet paper.
Right? And we look in the future and we don't know what's going to happen. And yet, God is speaking to us. He says, hey, go to Bethlehem. Go to the great shepherd of the sheep. Let him lead you. You know, when you're with Jesus, you don't have to worry about the future. God's already got the future under control. Our God is a God who declares the end from the beginning. God is a God who has plans to give you a future and a hope. God has good things in store ahead of you. And it doesn't matter what happens down the road. When you're with Jesus, he will take care of you. He will protect you. He will provide for you. He will deliver you. He will, come on somebody. God is a good God. He is the great shepherd of the sheep. Let him lead you into the future. Because God says, why Bethlehem? On behalf of the future. But second thing is this. Why Bethlehem? Well, on behalf of the forgotten. Rachel, even though she was loved first, she had to wait to become Jacob's wife. In fact, Laban was talking to Jacob, and he says, hey, you shouldn't be working for me for nothing. What, what's your price? Name your price. And Jacob says, that one right there points to Rachel. I want to marry your daughter. So Laban says, hey, perfect, seven years. Jacob works for seven years. The Bible says it was like seven days. It was just like a week to him because he loved her so much. He was just so in love that the work didn't even seem hard to him. The time didn't even seem long to him. He just worked. Went for it. Finally, the wedding night comes. They have a celebration. He goes into the tent to consummate the marriage. And in the morning, he wakes up and rolls over thinking he's going to go kiss Rachel. And woo, that's not Rachel. It was Rachel's older sister, Leah. And Jacob gets up, probably throws his robe on and runs out to find his uncle. And he says, what have you done to me? Leah's in the tent. Where's Rachel? I wasn't working for Leah. I was working for Rachel. And Laban says, hey, man, don't worry about it. In our land, we don't do that. We don't give the younger sister first. You've got to marry off the older one first. Wait a week. You have your honeymoon. Have some fun. And then come back in a week. We'll give you Rachel. No problem. Just another seven years. See, and the one who was Jacob, the deceiver, the supplanter, right? This is the one who, who got the birthright and the blessing by deception. Now, all of a sudden, he's reaping what he's sown from his uncle Laban. And yet... He goes to work again. See, Jacob was loved first. Rachel was loved first by Jacob, but she had to wait. There came a time because Jacob didn't love Leah like he loved Rachel. And because God saw that Leah was unloved, God opened her womb. She starts having babies. In fact, she has four babies. She says, God sees, God hears, God's connected me. Hopefully my husband will love me through all this. And then finally she just decides to praise God. And that's what the name Judah means. Judah means praise. And so she has all these babies. Well, well, Rachel, she's looking at her sister going, my goodness, this woman is a baby factory. What is going on here? And so she gets envious. She gets jealous. And she's, well, if that's the way it's going to be. If I can't have kids, I'll have them by my handmaid. So she gives Jacob her handmaid, and he starts having babies by her handmaid so that she could be raised as Rachel's. But they're still not hers. Well, Leah sees what's going on, and she says, well, if you're going to give him your handmaid, I'll give him my handmaid too. I'll have some more kids. We'll see how that works, sis. And this battle goes on for Jacob's affection and for his attention. In fact, she's even buying a night with Jacob with some fruit that her son bought, brought into the house. Guys, the Bible is nuts, isn't it? Some of you guys like watching those novellas. Quit watching the novellas. Read your Bible. Some of the people are saying, what's a novella? Soaps, all right? So quit watching the soaps. Read your Bible. Because the Bible's got some crazy stories in it. And Rachel must have been looking around at all these women, three women around her, all of them having babies, and she's going, what's wrong with me? God, haven't you heard my prayers? God, have you forgotten me? 
God, have you forsaken me? What, God, did you go to sleep on me? What, you're up for everybody else, but when it comes to me, you got to go and take a nap? God, what happened? I've been waiting all this time. God, I had to wait to get married, and now I have to wait to have children. God, what's going on? Have you forgotten me, God? What's wrong with me? Maybe you felt like that. Maybe this year you've looked around and other people are getting blessed in the middle of the pandemic and you're going, why did I lose my job? Other people are telling you, man, we've never been closer as a couple. And you're going, me and my wife are fighting all the time. Other people are saying, man, I'm so glad that the kids came home to do school because, man, we're really connecting. And you're like, I'm trying to disconnect. God, what's going on? How come everybody else is getting their blessings except me? How come everybody else seems to be killing it when I'm the one being killed? God, what's wrong? Have you forgotten me? I've got a verse for you. Genesis chapter number 30. Take a look at verse number 22 with me. In Genesis chapter number 30. If you feel like you've been forgotten, I want you to just drink this in today. It's going to be cold water to your soul on a hot and dry, thirsty day. Genesis chapter number 30. Verse number 22 starting out says this. It says, then God remembered Rachel. God has not forgotten. God has not forsaken. Because right here in Genesis chapter number 30, verse number 22, God remembered Rachel. If you feel like you've been forgotten, would you just insert your name right into that scripture? Would you just put yourself in that place for a second and just realize that Christmas tells us why Bethlehem? Why Christmas? Because God has not forgotten you. God has not forsaken you. The things that he's promised, he will bring to pass. God will remember his people. But not only that, God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her. You thought your prayers were bouncing off the roof in your bedroom. You thought that they didn't get past the windows of your car when you were crying out. But guess what? God sees, God hears, and God will remember you, and he will listen to your prayers. Look at this. And he opened her womb. Next verse says, and she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. Wow. Verse number 24, so she called his name Joseph and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. She named him in faith, believing that God wasn't just doing this. Listen, God is so good. We're not going to stop right here at this blessing. We're going to continue moving on. This is just the beginning with God. Can anybody say amen to that? God's not done yet. God hasn't forgotten you. God hasn't forsaken you. And don't just stop at the one blessing. Oh, my goodness. Don't just stop at the one promise. Don't just stop at the one victory. Don't just stop at the one breakthrough. Listen, God is greater than all of that, and God will bring that and more in your life. Remember, Christmas is the proof of that. Because the scripture that Matthew quotes in his gospel comes from that prophecy. And we understand that here she's naming him in faith. And as the scriptures do, this statement doesn't point just to the next son that was to come, Benjamin. No, it points to the coming Messiah. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7 says this, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Jesus Christ came, and he was born in Bethlehem for you and for me. 
and the government will be on his shoulder. Listen, if you were worried about what's going on in our land, if you were worried about what's taking place in our presidency, if you were worried about health orders, if you're worried about what's going on in the school system and in education, if you're wondering and you're worried about what's happening in your community or even in your family or even in your life, listen, God can shoulder it. The government is on his shoulder. He can lift that heavy burden right off of you. The government will be on his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. If you're troubled, go to Jesus. He'll give you the peace that you need because he is the Prince of Peace. Verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and to establishment with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Today, I've got good news for you. Today, I've got a word for you. If you feel like you are forgotten, if you feel like you are forsaken, if you feel like your prayers aren't being heard, or if you feel like God doesn't see you, listen, I've got good news that Christ was born for you in the city of Bethlehem. Christ was born on the throne of David to save you, to deliver you, to establish his judgment and his justice in your life, to bring you peace, to counsel you, to guide you, to shepherd you. Jesus Christ was given this day for you and for me. So why Bethlehem? Why Bethlehem? Well, here's the reason why. On behalf of the future, second thing is on behalf of the forgotten. And the last one, the last one is this, on behalf of the faithful. Now, I told you at the beginning of this message that God wants to make connections. That as I was studying this, God was making connections. This is where it gets bizarre. This is where it gets crazy. This is where God, I believe, is about ready to unlock some things in our lives. And so buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride. On behalf of the faithful, Rachel was loved first but had to wait to be married. She was loved best but had to wait to have children. And when she finally had her firstborn, she named him Joseph, saying, The Lord shall add to me another son. She named him in faith because it was years before she had that second son. But guess what? Every morning... She was calling her son, Joseph. Good morning, Joseph. Good afternoon, Joseph. Hey, Joseph, would you come here and help me with this? Joseph, would you go out and help out your dad? Joseph, time to come in. It's getting dark, son. Hey, Joseph, time to go to bed. Go and brush your teeth. Can I put it to you like this? What was she doing? She had named her son in faith. She was believing. She was speaking something over his life and over her life every time she saw and called her son. See, sometimes people look at the faith community and they say, oh, I don't like you guys. You just name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. So stupid, so foolish. Well, hey, I would agree. I'm not just going to, a million dollars. Million dollars, God. No, that's presumption. That's not faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. See, there's something different when you get a promise on the inside of you. When you get a word that drops down on the inside of you and when you start believing God and now all of a sudden there's a seed that's been sown on the inside of you and now all of a sudden you become pregnant with that thing and it starts to develop. See, there are things that you've been believing God for but you haven't been speaking. 
because you've been disappointed. You feel like you've been forgotten. And yet God is saying in the midst of your life, in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your tragedy, if you will start to name things in faith, if you will start to believe God, see what was Rachel doing? Every morning she was saying, another one's coming. Good morning, another one's coming. Hey, good afternoon, another one's coming. Hey, would you go outside? Another one's coming and help your dad out. Hey, another one's coming. Come on inside. It's time for dinner. Another one's coming. Go brush your teeth. All right, come on. We're going to bed right now. Another one's coming. Every day she was speaking in faith that there was another one coming. In the same way, what is the name of the seed that you want to see sown in your life? You've got to declare it. You've got to believe it. You've got to name it. You've got to start to believe it each and every day and remind yourself in the morning, hey, I'm healed in the afternoon. By the way, I'm healed in the evening. Guess what? I'm healed in the morning. Hey, I'm prosperous in the afternoon when I go to work. Hey, I'm prosperous in the evening before I go to bed. I'm prosperous. If your marriage is suffering, hey, I love that woman like Christ loved the church. I will serve that man and submit to him as the church is subject to Christ in all things. Start to declare the word of God every day, every moment, every hour. Believe God and declare his promises and watch God bring it to pass. Even though we may tarry, you wait on the Lord because he will bring it. And Rachel shows us that. Rachel shows us that because she held on and she waited. See, Jacob worked for Laban another seven years. And then after that, he worked another six years to gain his wages, to gain all of his wealth. And then they traveled and they went different places. He wrestled with God. He met up with his brother and his brother didn't kill him, thank God. But it, Rachel just remained faithful. And in Genesis chapter number 35, we see God's promises come to pass. Five chapters later, in who knows how many years, God brings his promise to path. Genesis chapter 35, take a look at verse 16. The verse number 19 with me. Genesis chapter number 35, verse 16. Then they journeyed from Bethel. Bethel was the house of God. Bethel was the place where Jacob went and had his dream. Saw a ladder ascending and descending into heaven and earth. Angels going up and down on it. Bethel was the place that God spoke to him. Talked to him about his future. Gave him promises. Reminded him of the blessings of Abraham and Isaac. And told him, I'm going to bless you with this land that you lay your head on. It was that same place that Jacob said, God, if you'll keep me, if you'll protect me, then I'll come back and I'll bring you a tithe of all. And he set up a pillar and he named it the house of God. See, the house of God never diminished the house of God in your life. Never treat it as second class to anything. Because the house of God is the place that connects heaven and earth. House of God is where God will declare your destiny. Speak to you as promises. Give you grace and strength for your future. That's the house of God as they journeyed from Bethel. And when there was but a little distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel labored in childbirth. And she had hard labor. Some of you ladies know what that's like. I told you about my son Micah. He was 10 pounds and 4 ounces. Can somebody say ouch? Thank God for modern medicine. Verse 17, now it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said to her, do not fear. You will have this son also. See, there comes moments in our life when we're believing God and times get tough. Things become difficult. It's hard. At times it's even painful. And we all need a faithful friend in our life to say, hey, 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 don't be afraid. Don't fear. 
Come on, you're going to have this son also. What God has planted on the inside of you that you're pregnant with and about ready to bring out of your life, guess what? Don't be afraid. Stay in faith. Stay faithful. Hold on to the promise. You're going to have this one also. Verse 18, and so it was. As her soul was departing, for she died. That's why I say thank God for modern medicine. But in these days, all they had was a midwife. And she called his name, her son's name, Ben-Oni, meaning son of my sorrows. She was sad that her life was ending. She was sad she didn't get to raise this child. She was sad for her pain. But his father called him Benjamin, meaning son of my right hand. The right hand was the position of strength and authority. Verse number 19, so Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath. That is Bethlehem. Why Bethlehem? I believe that God saw this woman faithful. And the place that she died, he gave life to his son. Wow. Now the names Bethlehem and Ephrath and the events that take place there give us insight into what God was saying about the Messiah who was to come in that same place. Are you ready for this? Because we're going to get going on this. You thought I was done. We're just getting started. Ephrath means the place of fruitfulness. It was there that Rachel would bear the fruit of a second son. It's also the place that Jesus, the last Adam, would come. See, God had two people in the Bible that are called the Son of God, Adam and now Jesus. Jesus is the firstborn over all creation. Jesus, even though the firstborn, came second. People had thought that they were forgotten, yet God remembered and he sent Messiah. Jesus is the vine who we connect to in order to bear much fruit Rachel died there in labor. Jesus labored and died to bear the fruit of righteousness unto God and to bring many sons into that same righteousness. In fact, Bethlehem was the place where they would birth the lambs that they would take on the Day of Atonement to sacrifice for the sin of the nation in the same way Jesus Christ is the lamb who was born to bear the sin of all of humanity, past, present, and future. Rachel named him Benoni, meaning son of my sorrow. Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He went to the cross, he suffered, and he died. And yet Israel, the father, renamed Benoni, Benjamin, meaning son of the right hand. See, when Jesus had finished the work of redemption on the cross, and when he laid in the grave and he died, he was raised again to life, and he ascended up, and now he is seated at the right hand of the father, and now he's in the place of authority, he's in the place of power, he's in the place of strength. All of this takes place in Bethlehem of Judah. We know that Judah was the one whom David came from. So Jesus would have had to have been born according to that tribe. Why? To fulfill God's promise to David to have a descendant on his throne forever. But again, why Bethlehem? Why not one of the other cities there? Why not one of the other places? Well, Bethlehem means house of bread. Jesus is the bread of life. He's the manna that came down out of heaven that we can feed on. He is our daily bread. And when God shows up and when he fulfills his promises to us daily, what attribute do we call that? Faithful. 
Our God is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of mercy to a thousand generations. That is who our God is. And God wanted to show his faithfulness to us so that we could follow and so that we could be faithful. Church, if you've been holding on. Church, if you're looking at the future. Church, if you feel like you're forgotten or forsaken. Hey, keep holding on. Though you may be losing strength. Though you may be wondering if God's going to come through. Then go to Bethlehem. Go and find the baby in the manger. Go and feed on his faithfulness. He is the bread of life. He is your king and your God. He is the one seated on the throne of David. He's seated at the right hand. Declare his promises in faith and follow him faithfully because God will bring it to pass. Somebody ought to praise the Lord today. Why Bethlehem? Wow. On behalf of the future. You have a future with God. On behalf of the forgotten, you're not forgotten. You're second to none. And on behalf of the faithful, stay faithful, church. Stick with God. Declare his promise in faith. God will bring it to pass. Come on, praise the Lord one more time today. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.